So I'm delighted this afternoon to be with Stuart Scott. Stuart's going to be on the panel on the 18th of May in the next couple of days, or depending when you're listening to this video. So 18th of May, 2020, on the panel focused on co-living uh, stroke apart hotel. Stuart, I, I've been to a number of your sites uh, over the years. Um, so in terms of developers, I've probably spent more time with you than almost any other developer apart from Evan uh, Maine Donald. So I'm really delighted uh, we've got you on board on the panel this coming Monday morning. So as I say, in terms of your property business, you're well known because you've won a number of property awards and that's really placed you in a much higher profile uh, than some other uh, property professionals. Do you want to just explain a little bit about the awards which you've won? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, well, I guess the most recent ones were the uh, 2018 Property Investor of the Year. That was at the Property Investor Awards. And then the last one was 2019. That was Property Developer of the Year. That was at the Liz Property Awards. Um, so, no, go, go, go on. So so two awards in, in consecutive years. Have I got that right, Stuart? Yes. Yes, I was very, uh, very, uh, very over the moon with that. I wasn't expecting to win the, uh, um, I think when we put in the application on the second one, um, we were up against some big players, built massive built to rent players. So, but you know, ultimately it's not about the scale of the, the uh, projects you're working on because obviously we work a lot of our stuff is sub 20 units. It's more about, uh, certainly in our case, it was about the innovation that we were driving in the industry and the kind of wider movement of change. So just, just to focus on your background before you moved into property full time, you, from my understanding, it you come from a brand agency? Uh, kind of, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I started, I started working in brand marketing and ad agencies. Uh, that's how I started my, my, my career. Um, and then I built my own marketing agency, and, which I sold. And then I built another company, which was a product design a kind of product innovation company so for those two companies that i built over that 10-year period they were kind of like incubating innovation style companies so i kind of work I, I, I kind of cut my teeth in the kind of the brand the ad the marketing and then i became a kind of like a company director growing my own companies and one was a marketing slash innovation company and the other one was more a kind of like a specific product innovation company so did you have the vision to exit both of those companies uh, well, the first one I set up, like most people when they set up businesses, it was just about um, taking something that you're good at and um, becoming your own boss and having some great fun along the way. Um, and then I eventually sold that, that company because an opportunity came up. And, um, and then I kind of built this, this second company. And as I, as I was doing all of that, building those two companies, I was kind of flipping property in the side. So I'd always been, I'd always been tinkering with it, but it was a side thing. It's not a, it wasn't a full time thing. It was just something that I invested my money in and I did on the side. Um, it was only when I, you probably about six years ago when I went full time into property, that's when, when I made the change to go full time into property, that is when I looked at the HMO market and I, and then I could see that there was a new wave coming and a new uh, evolution of the product. I thought I could, I could do, add some innovation and drive the market forward. And that became the thing where I put my flag in, you know, in the sand about six or so years ago and said, I think co-living is going to be the next big thing. And I spent a lot of time on the kind of um, uh, more the kind of like the, the conceptual side of 
how do you build a community and uh, and you know how do you make spaces that improve people's lives and um, how do you kind of um, uh, create the, the the whole end-to-end experience for customers and have you considered the exit strategy in terms of property as well like the other two companies possibly in um, exit? I guess I never I, I'm no not really because you know I think my original companies were always destined to be growth to sell and I think the difference now is this is you know I'm quite comfortable with the term lifestyle business you know this is I'm not trying to you know I'm not I don't I'm not, I don't have any ambitions to go and do like 100, 200, 300 unit developments. I'm quite happy working on projects as long as, as long as I get to do something amazing and I get, as long as I get, it's innovative and, um, and it ticks all the boxes. Um, I think I'm, you know, I'm, for me, it's lifestyle. It's balancing that with um, family life and everything else. So um, I think it's about doing what you enjoy um, uh, whilst also kind of pushing the boundaries at the same time. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, I wasn't really, I'm not planning to exit it. So I'm going to talk about uh, productivity hacks in just a moment because you've got a whiteboard behind you. Before we go into productivity hacks, so just explain for the listeners who've not been to, hopefully I've got the name of the right street, Broad Street, have I got it correct? Oh yes, the, um, the hotel. Broad the street. Ho- Broad Street which is it's not that broad a street, to be fair. It's quite a narrow street. Uh, it is, but it's next to the beach, so that's, that's, uh, that's an upside to it. So that, that's probably why it's called Broad Street. It comes from uh, possibly being so close to the you know, promenade, in a okay. sense. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Uh, no, it, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, but, but uh, look, so that's one of your properties, Stuart, which I've been to. Um, there's an... There's another one I've been to recently as well. I don't think that's on Broad Street. Yeah, I think you visited you visited some of the co-living projects. I mean, they're the ones which are, most people know 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 me from the co-living stuff that we do, the co-living spaces. Um, so I think you visited a few of those, and then yeah, you visited one of the hotels. I mean, the hotels was was diversification for us. And I know that when I I'm on the on the panel, primarily I'm I'm kind of inputting on co-living, but it, I do, <laughs> funny enough, have. Uh, um, uh, hotels as well um, so probably could um, input something onto that look it, it's really hard for anyone to know what's going to happen particularly in the medium to long term people can easier see what's happening in a very short term but wh- wh- where do you see the longer term picture uh, both for the hotels you've got when do you and this is such a difficult question because no one really knows what's going to happen to COVID-19 but when do you think things are going to have some normality or as people like to call it the new norm um well okay so the on the co-living side um so i think i mentioned to you earlier that we've been the last kind of 48 hours we've been working on our policies so the government has released some policies the market is now open um there's a whole lot of government guidance that come out the nrla have pushed some guidance out and everything else what we've done is we've gone through that guidance we've done our risk assessments we have uh, created our policies so that we have we are now complying with the government's um, guidance to become COVID secure. So now we've got those policies in place, uh, we can now start to, um, with all the various checks and everything else, start to do the viewings and start, uh, well, virtual viewings, check-ins and start to get moving again. So I think we're already gonna start to see that, that part of the market, the co-living market, um, start to kind of like reopen. Um, 
is there any kind of been any impacts to the co-living market? Well, you might, for example, where you might have in the summer been able to rent your rooms and uh, in, in get that extra chunk, you know, that, that would be above and beyond the standard rate, that may be affected slightly. Um, so it might be that the very, very top end of the rate, um, up 10%, you could see a softening there. I do think there'll be a bit of built up demand. I mean, what we're already seeing is we've got, a, we've got a backlog of people that want the rooms. So we're not seeing that now. That could play out in the next six to nine months, uh, hard to say. Um, but I think it's about being on the front foot and getting those policies in place so that you're doing everything safely, securely, and, and you're minimizing risk and liability as well. So, um, so we're, doing, we're, doing, we're doing all of that. So yeah, do I see an effect on the co-living market? Well, a lot of people are gonna be moving down from one beds and two one bed two bed flats and studios um, with all their bills and they'll be moving down into um, shared living um, that has for example co co working and those of other stuff and they'll do that based on saving um, uh, saving money it's more cost effective so if you've got these policies in place and you've got co living that uh, that is um, being run on a COVID secure basis then you could see that kind of playing into it as well so. Um, I am I am estimating some impact, but not 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 a huge amount of impact. You, you think there's going to be more impact on the hotel industry? Yeah, now that's that. So the hotel industry is very different because hotel industry, for example, we had to we had to close our hotels, um, and then what we had to do was very quickly we just had to because um, we had cleaning costs, everything else, minimise all the costs down, and then what we did is we had to just phone everyone we could, and luckily we managed to get. A, um, a contract directly into the council where we've got NHS workers in there. So we've got NHS workers in, in fact, they took the whole hotel in April. Now we've got kind of rolling contracts. So we've got people in there. It's not running at the same kind of occupancy, but frankly, there's a lot of hotels that don't have any income coming in. Oh. At the moment. So we're very lucky in that respect. So we, you know, we have modeled um, major disruption for say six months. Uh, yeah, that was taking us up towards the latter part of the year. And then, and then, and then, additional kind of uh, four or five months of, of getting back up to our full performance again. So it's actually quite a lot of impact that we've measured, that we've um, modelled. Um, but you know, if anything could happen. You know, we we could, for example, they could start. I mean, they're talking about opening it in July. Um, but then, you know, if we start to get a second spike, that'll be clamped straight back down. So although our estimations for the, um, the kind of like the hospitality market are probably quite strong, as in, you know, we're estimating that we're going to be operating like we are now for a while, it could well be that it opens up a lot quicker and there's more revenue in the, the uh, of standard um, tourism re revenue. Because obviously at the moment, we're basing on no tourism revenue for a decent period of time and just contractors and direct contacts and then gradually it will slowly ramp back into its performance so um there is a number of factors that could change that you know the market you know everyone's not going to go abroad they're going to do staycation there's probably pent-up demand um we haven't modeled that because it's better to be pessimistic um certainly from our forecasting and the banks and everything else so um it's um we we've we've estimated a lot more impact on 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 the hotel side and the final question is on productivity tools Stuart, as well so i know you've got the whiteboard behind for those who are listening on the podcast 
it's uh, it's quite a detailed whiteboard. It's not uh, just a few. Uh, I was doing I was doing a work I was doing a bit of a workshop on on brainstorming some ideas to do with a, a, a book I'm writing at the moment. So I was just um, the great thing about so it's um, there's loads of really good uh, productivity hacks if you've got a space. Well, actually, if you're stuck at home at the moment, you're not in an office. Um, yeah, this this uh, this product is called Magic Whiteboard, and it's just reams of this static static sheeting and it you just um can stick it to any wall so all of my walls down here all the walls on the opposite side i can just brainstorm stuff on there you can wipe it off and you know it's uh um so it's a really good tool it's pretty it's reasonably cheap and it turns your it turn it's very easy for visualizing um problems you want to solve or stuff like that um so that 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 tool is really useful if you're in if you're out of your office and you're at home so that's good um and then the other one i'd recommend is um, we use a system for all of our for running the hotels at, and also running the co-living business as well. We so we use we use Google Suite, which is Google Mail, Google Drive, everything else. But we also use something called Asana. Asana is like a project management task management tool. So, for example, we can when we organised all those policies for today for the Corona safe policies uh, to open up the letting side. Um, we we did that on shared documents like shared spreadsheets for the risk assessment, shared documents which are on Google Drive, and we used Asana to to basically do the conversation and the task management. So Asana is is designed specifically for managing remote um, teams and remote people, which is perfect for this for this kind of um, scenario now where you know even on the hotels we've got we have all our team is remote. Um, and everything's centralized. So actually we were very, we were reasonably well set up to adapt to this because um, we didn't, we right from the start, I didn't want a big expensive office and everything else. I wanted to have remote staff and then we would basically just use technology. So um, I would say that Asana has been a really good tool in combination with the Google Suite. And if there's a third tool which you use, uh, final question, so Asana, the whiteboard, what, what, what is your other productivity hack to get the most out of a day? Productivity hack to get the most out of a day. Um, what, what, well, I, mean, what? I use the, I use the, so with Asana, they do a, they do a mobile app and that's really useful um, because uh, there's only certain things you, 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 what you do on your mobile can sometimes be different to what you do on the desktop. So, for example, if I've got a mobile and I'm I'm planning my next day ahead, rather than sitting there formally and doing it all on my computer, I can drag things around. So I can look at my to-do list and just drag stuff around. And you can quite uh, casually kind of plan your next day on your phone in a different way that you would sit down and formally and do it on your computer. So I would say the uh, the Asana app on the phone is a really great way of kind of organizing uh, your time. Um, I, I have to admit that's the app which I deleted off my phone today because I've I've not used it once since I put it on my phone. So what, I may the Asana app? Yeah, so um, I I don't use Asana, but I thought, I hear keep people keep talking. Oh, about Oh, there it. you go. That's why you deleted it, friend. You only so, deleted it because you're not using Asana. I was like, I was I was thought you deleted it because you were using Asana. I was like, that wouldn't. Okay, so yeah, it's cause, just because you're yeah yeah. I mean, it's um I was using a software called uh, Wonderlist. Uh, Wonderlist was a really good bit of software. I was using that, but the problem is Wonderlist sold to Microsoft and became uh, To Do, I think it's called, 
and I had I and and they 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 basically all they they just turned off Wonderlist, so I had to move to another list management list management task management software. So I kind of thought, well, actually, Asana is perfect because not only is it list management, but it's also project management. Um, so it kind of covers. Because people of often talk about things like Trello as well. I don't know if you come across Trello. Yeah, Trello's fine. Uh, Trello's fine. There's one. There's Trello. There's there's a few of them. Um, you, to be honest, they they're all very similar. I um. You know, I like the ethos behind Asana. The guys came out of Facebook, and you know, they, they, there's some good, there's a good, some good um, uh, kind of thinking behind it as a as a tool. So um, it, it, it works really well for us at the moment. We've been managing the entire co-living business and the um, hotel business uh, using those tools. Stuart, how can people reach out to you, find out more about yourself? Of course, they can join you on the 18th of May on the morning panel your book is coming out at some point before your book comes <laughs> so I, out. I, I do admit I didn't I did I did somewhat underestimate what was involved in writing that other <laughs> but think how many so I have got some great stuff in there there is um I've, I've spent a lot of time and obviously I wanted to be a bit of a work of art as, as, as well so um I'm I'm estimating last time I spoke to the publisher I'm estimating because we always had this awkward bit where it would start. You can't put something out in the summer. It has to be either before the summer or after. And I wasn't going to be able to get it just before. So we, there was going to be a delay. So actually with the coronavirus uh, period that's happened, we're actually just going to be launching a book, which is on the other side of what would have been the summer. So it'll be on the back end. So it'll be October, October, November, I would imagine something like that. Okay. Stuart, so people can reach you though through your website as well, which is co hyphen livingspaces.co.uk have yep, you got that right that's right co dash living space living spaces.co.uk um yeah that's um pretty much every everything is on there um it connects into our social media and everything else so that is the central hub for everything uh, it's got our projects in there you know what we're working on uh, and if anyone wants to uh, ask a question or get in contact that would be the best place Stuart, I just want to say massive thanks for taking time out today. I'm definitely going to have a look at Asana again and maybe get persuaded to keep up my phone. Um, so thank you to our listeners as well. And thanks, Stuart. So massive thanks to those of you who supported us over the last 50 plus episodes. I'm looking forward to the next 50 plus episodes of Brendan Speaks Property. Remember, you can find out more about the events, which I've got as well through my website, which is beekwinevents.com. Thank you.